Good evening, good evening. Once again, it's time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Let's get right into it, gentlemen. How are we? Doing just fine. The Fifth Ward Wildcat is today. It's okay. kind of cold, but I'm doing fine. He's doing fine because people, are, excuse me, women are recognizing him by his growl now. So you know him by his growl now, apparently. So yeah, he's getting called right? over. Yeah, so yeah. I got a growl at work, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got, got, got a growl at yeah. work, and so, I was like, Doc, how you shot. doing, sir? I'm doing well, but I need a growl. <laughs> I need to grow. I work on that. I'm doing really oh, uh, well. It's cold. I'm not the person that welcomes the cold, but I guess I need to get used to it for these couple of days. But I will be going to Puerto Rico, so I'm excited about that. I'm gonna find a way to be warm. Doc, that's it's you, Puerto Rico. You, that's, that's a given. You, you doc. making good trips and all doing basketball season. Where 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 can KG and I make make a make, make a basketball trip? Right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm the only team. I need to share all this love. I'll find a way to get it done. And that's the key. That's what we do, folks. That's what we do. Find a way to get it done. It is cold, but I'm in a good mood today. Fellas know why I'm in a good mood. Yeah, I had yeah, a good yeah. lunch with a good young lady, and uh, that's going nicely. Well, I'm going to ask this question. Was the meal and the service okay? meal was good. She enjoyed herself. She, yeah, she had, a, she had a good time. I had a good time. We had a good conversation. I will be posting something on Twitter and Facebook. Where I was in, had a somewhat twilight dinner, uh, at a establishment here in town that's newly. Service was horrible. I will mention the name at that point. Good. Yeah. By all yeah. means, do that. Cause our service was good. We had good service and at this place and uh, she picked the place and, and they were going to get together again, go to the ensemble theater next month. So all yeah. good things all going. Right. So yeah. Right. So, uh, enough of our love lives. Of uh, all three of us, because Doc has, you know, he's happily married, but he's, you know, he's, he's a good man. He's a good husband. Thank you. Well, where do you want to start? We want to start with the losing and let's, the football side. Yeah, talk let's basketball. start with that. Okay, start with football. Okay, you got it. Look, U of H has had some issues in all this season. They got it to an, off to an early start. They got the bowl eligible, got in the conference play deep. You know, they they got going. For the last three weeks, they've had some inconsistencies either on special teams, defense, or offense not being able to get going in the second half, coming out of the gate, you know, at, at halftime. Teams have been able to get going on them early, and you have not been able to either come back or hold them off. Yesterday, I was at the game. I didn't get there to get for the start, but I watched the last three scores that they had. Two field, uh, versus Cincinnati for, uh, versus Cincinnati, who came in. I, I knew they were they were they were going to be defensive heavily because that's who that's, that's just who Tum- uh, uh, Tuberville is. But they had an offense going once they got you know the guy was steady. He uh, I think his uh, last name is K. He was able to get them going and just kind of like just move the game you know move the team downfield when he needed to. Got receptions, but the one thing that everybody's been able to do. Against that offense when they needed, against that, uh, that defense when they needed to put the ball on the ground and run straight up the middle. And when in between the tackles, in between the guards, they've been teams have been able to just do whatever they need to do. Get a five yards here, get a eight yards there, get a short yardage uh, on a uh, third and short, get the first down. I just got tired of watching it, you know, happen again and again. And yesterday, once again, U of H had a chance to win the game, get back in it, uh, have a chance at, at, uh, at a conference opportunity, at a better bowl game. 
but they weren't able to finish. And that's becoming a uh, thorn in my side. Who was the quarterback to finish the game? Uh, O'Corn finished the game. Because the part uh, I saw. Uh, Ward, Ward, Ward I was there the day when Ward came in uh, to kind of like spark, spark, get the offense moving. But the defense scored the touchdown on a um, fumble uh, that was created and picked the ball up, went in for the score, and after that, another field, you know, a field goal, and that was it. You always couldn't get they, they just couldn't get the ball moving and couldn't get consistency going. You know, even when they got close and all coming toward me late in the game, uh, they still weren't able to punch it in. They had to get, they were forced to, to take a field goal. And it wasn't as, as much as it was penalties than anything. It was just they just couldn't find a way to, uh, like Manziel said last night, they couldn't get it. They, they just couldn't find a way of what the, the uh, recognized the schemes and all like the, that was in front of them defensively. And so they just got punched in the mouth, and that was it. You know, and, I, and speaking of Manziel, I watched their game last night uh, at the uh, – uh, a very nice uh, place, but for whatever reason, LSU has the better team won. Has A and M number two years in a row. That's a key. That's well, a, I, I think that, as you transition, a, one of the things we talked about, and I think it raised his head against the two tougher teams in the SEC, and in this year, including Auburn which is the depth on the defensive right. side uh, for Texas A&M. Some of those were questions coming as Texas A&M moved into right. SEC. And I think uh, Manziel was able to offensively as well with Coach, um, able to kind of get over that with the upset over Alabama last year, obviously, and some couple of other big games. But they lost to Florida like that at home because Florida was able to come back from behind and kind of get more physical in the second half. The last two years, you've seen that with LSU. Just literally just pounding them to death in terms of the way they were able to manhandle them uh, running the ball. And then uh, they were able, just more physical and more talented um, with the wideouts as well against the defensive back. And so the A&M is young on the defensive side. Talent in terms of some of those guys that came in uh, where they were ranked. Right. But they need to grow up. They need to get some depth. They need to put some weight on and they got to find a way to just um, get bigger and faster on defense if they're going to be able to play with the stronger teams in the SEC. What I think is interesting as we move forward, I don't want to delve, dwell on it too deep. Obviously, most people consider SEC right the strongest yeah. conference. I, I would agree. But I think one thing that is interesting when you have Not Texas Florida. A&M. Not Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everybody has here. Hope, hope. <laughs> Georgia hey, Southern, hey. Florida. Yeah. Hey. hey and that's it. old Texas uh, head coach and way. 429. Glad that didn't work out. 429 rushing yards, zero passing yards, and you lose 26 20 like at all. Longhorns early this year. Boy, the, te- the Texas Pro. Zero for three passing. You got to run over. <laughs> Literally, it, it, run it, it, over. It happens. It happens. But what Go I was getting to. Sorry, no problem. Well, I, I think they need to say it. Uh, the thing I wanted to talk about is. Texas A&M and Missouri were teams that were pretty much middle of the pack right? in the Big 12. Well, they've come over and done relatively well Oh yeah, in the SEC. More than, expect, chance, more than been, been expected. Yes, yeah, that's true. Missouri has a chance to win the Eastern Division, first of all. Right. right. Uh, 
Texas A&M has been right in the mix the last two years. So I think this has maybe some referendum on how deep the Doc, SEC Doc, is. Doc, Doc, say it ain't so, Doc. Are you taking shots, throwing rocks at the almighty, powerful, always perfect, nothing goes wrong in the SEC? Yes, I am. Good. That's why we're here on well, this podcast. That's what we do. We, we were allowed to do that's that. That's what we do, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's what y'all told me. That's, that's right. That's true. Because you're speaking the truth. Especially if I find some facts to kind of support it. Well, oh, yeah. Because you're speaking A&M, the truth. We can't say that. We know for a fact. A&M in Missouri, at best, will middle mm-hmm. of the pack. Right. And and to, to to your point, both teams headed into, into the SEC were – Especially Missouri, they were at the bottom of the pack when they left uh, left the Big Twelve. Yep. In and, one year, and, mm-hmm. and, right? And all they right. took was they took their beating last year. Now one year later, one recruiting class, <laughs> and that's that's all it took. And and you know it's it all boils down to where you're playing at yep. and timing. Can you can you pick up those guys when you need them together as a I group, agree. and then bring them in? And even if you have to redshirt some guys to wait. And they put that class together, and they all jail. But the other thing now, that we all three agree on this, you can't have serious injuries in the middle of the season. Right. But, because yeah, if you yeah. do, you know, it, it all – You look at Georgia. It doesn't matter right. how deep and talented you are. You have injuries. Lose your quarterback and boom. You, you're so, in you know, And Same with Florida. We take a shot at Florida. They've had injuries as well. Correct. But, uh, but I, I, I yeah. will – But I'm just saying the depth, you know. Oh, yeah. You no, have, you're, you're right. no, I think there's no question that SEC at the top, uh, with the multiple championships, right. seven, eight in a row counting now in terms of championships should have stopped at the when, top. Should have stopped you guys going. You can't win your own division. But I digress. Right. Well, and see, the other thing, too. that I the, agree the, with that, too. I, I kind of thought that was me really personally, a back I, shot at LSU to allow that to happen. I think the uh, the biggest difference this year at A&M has been in the offensive coordinator, though Cliff Kingsbury. That's because that's an in-game changing mechanism that he was doing a lot last season and never gave the same offensive scheme from quarter to quarter. I think in terms of fluidity, in terms of Johnny Manziel being in position to get a Heisman, I agree with you. He's putting put up, up better numbers, numbers this he's year. He's putting up better numbers. And, that's and, on, and I think that has to do more with him going to summer camp at the Manning. But, and, and but I guess because he's staying in the pocket a lot more than he's, he's run with. But he, but he, he left. He left the camp early because he got well, quote unquote well, right. sick. So I don't know how much training he got in. So I'm in agree with the, you. The, the thing that. is, he's putting up better numbers because the defense is garbage, and they're getting out scored, so putting the ball back in his hands, so gives him more chance to throw more, the ball, more attempts, and score through. And so things. I was saying that in terms of Jerry, the argument there, I, I, I could see where that seems to be, but there's no major difference in terms of wins losses versus the quality of the team other than the major upset they had against Alabama. Because the thing, the way to keep him from putting up those big numbers is you don't get don't give him the ball. Correct. LSU just ran down their throats, just pounded, ground and pound, ground and pound. You can't exactly. score when you have the ball. Exactly. So, and pretty much what you've seen at Auburn. Right. That's, you know, that's what they did. It's ground and pound. So that's, that's, again, back to the defense that the Aggies have been subpar this year. But point, let's just call it like it is. Coach Sumlin's defenses have haven't never, been good wherever he's been. Yeah, it's never been. So, you know, style of play, style of his offense, whatever he's putting the ball back and they score so quickly that the defense is on the field more, whatever. But his defenses have never been elite Correct. compared to his offense. Correct. And if, if A&M wants to win the championship, I think that has to change. And he, he 
signed or got a commitment from the top defensive player in the state or something like that, defensive line, I think what is, good luck to him because he may not be coached by Kevin Sumlin next year if Coach Sumlin goes to USC, USC. or, you know, He better whatever. hope the Aggies better hope USC uh, keeps winning. Because Mandel is leaving. I'd be shocked if he decides now, to come back. Speaking of that, He's you gone. know, it's, it's, it's on, that, on that same note, like it's relative. The game against Oklahoma State and Baylor, Mike Gunner's name came up a lot toward the end of that game last night about that USC situation. I'd be surprised if he left. And the only reason I, I, I'm, I, I agree with you is because of the money that's available. T. Boone Pickens. There you go. My guy from Amarillo. And, yeah, and he he's a – that's his alma mater. And that's true. So, with the financial situation there and being somebody from that area, I'm not sure how comfortable and his family would want to be in L.A. They're, they're Oklahoma people in terms of that nature. Right. Probably like that lifestyle. So, I don't know what's the desire to move to a bigger program. Uh, but in terms of the program – I would think he would have to listen. And if you listen, sometimes you never know to get back to your point. That's true. Gentlemen, Doc, who are you? How can folks find you, sir? Yes, this is Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the sports, business sports reporter, if you would, professor. And so I'm here at Texas Southern University teaching sports management. Also uh, do reporting on HBCUs which will get a little in-depth. It's interesting because playoff times are here, so I can tell you who made the playoffs, which will be interesting to discuss. And the Texas schools have ended this season with Prairie View having their last game this Saturday, so I can give you an update and let you know if that went positive negative in terms of them uh, being able to do something on the defensive side. We know they can put up points, so we did that, but we'll give you some ups- updates on that. Speaking of um, t- Texas teams you, in the sir? playoff, I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me online at these – Social media platforms on Twitter, YouTube, and uh, uh, Facebook. You can find and and also Blogger at uh, aksv dot blogspot dot com. The Southland has three teams in the FCS playoffs. It's been a while since they've had since, right. since they've had that many and pretty strong first teams, uh, first timer. Southeastern Louisiana from Hammond, Louisiana. Surprise. They got it done. They got it done. By winning. Got a first round bye. And their second round opponent will be the winner of Southern Utah and the Sam Houston State game at Hammond. It'll be interesting how this goes. But but that conference right now is pretty much excited. It's not the usual suspects like Central Arkansas right. and uh, the Sam Houston State that's that's carrying the banner this year. It's gonna be really interesting. So who's the third team they got in? Uh, the third team is Magnet State. Uh, Magnet State. Magnet State. They're right. Number six. Remember they had yeah. that big upset over oh, the beginning of the year yeah. over South Florida. Yeah. So they're very solid as well. And that'll be interesting. Bringing us to HBCU, the three teams that got in for the FCS, obviously done out of the swag because they don't have a automatic bid they do have an at-large bid but nobody was in position to earn an at-large bid thank uh, good this year uh, <laughs> but you get two out of the MEAC this is the first time the MEAC has had two teams getting bids since 1999 wow uh, that when, long yes when they played basically the last Heritage Bowl and declared that they wanted to move towards that because at the time the SWAC moved to the SWAC championship game 
And because there's only 10 teams in the SWAC championship game, you can't have two postseason events. So essentially the SWAC championship game is a postseason or bowl game. Clear that up. So the two teams that got in was the automatic bid winner, Bethune-Cookman. 10-2 uh, and two overall, had a huge victory over Florida A&M in the Florida Classic, getting it done, beating the Rattlers 29-10. Uh, so they are in the playoffs, and um, they're traveling to Coastal Carolina Channeliers that got mollywopped this past weekend uh, in the FBS competition. But they're actually a solid program hosting the game, and this should be interesting to see how that goes. The other team that got in was South Carolina State. Uh, they were actually tied with the Wildcats winning a cold MEAC championship, but Bethune-Cookman beat them head-to-head early this season down in Daytona. So Wildcats got the automatic bid. And there were some questions where South Carolina State could get in. They got in. Remember, there was an expansion of the playoffs, although the MEAC got two in. 2014. Went to 24 teams from 20, which in the past used to be 16. And so they've expanded the leagues. And that was also to the benefit of Tennessee State Tigers, where the OVC has gotten two teams in this year. The other TSU. The other TSU, as they say, in those parts. Or they would say the real TSU. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in those parts. They're wrong, say. but that's okay. That's what they say over there. Exactly. They're traveling at Butler Bulldogs, uh, who are first-time participants from the Pioneer League uh, getting in, as they're excited about what they're going to do. That should be an interesting matchup. I think the Tigers have a solid chance to win the game. I'm not sure about the Wildcats against Coastal Carolina. Uh, a little off on that in South Carolina will travel to Furman Paladines, who are usually a playoff regular uh, in their quite a bit out of the Southern Conference. So it's interesting to see how they go. Talk about the PV in the last game of the year. Prairie View uh, had outstanding play. Offensively, they put up the points, but defensively, um, they did some pretty good work there. They gave up 340 yards, 350 yards to be accurate on total yards, 226 passing. Rushing for only 24. What's going to amaze you is Prairie View put up 597 yards. You say, oh, no big deal. I agree with you. But guess what? They did 463 of that rushing. Wow. Yes, I'll say it again. 463 rushing yards. And who was this, who was this again? <laughs> who, who did they run over? <laughs> Literally. Pine Bluff. The Golden Oh, Lions. man. Ran over them. Boy. Passing for 134 uh, to add it up to the 597. The big guy in the game was Jonte Bear. A sophomore from Baton Rouge uh, came at her, stole him out of the back door of Southern. Coach Northern, you know, is from the Baton Rouge area. Got yep. him in there. This is a big-time player. Look for him. He put up 250 yards. Wow. 35 carries, 7.1 yards a game. That's the rock right there. 35 yeah, yeah. carries, 250 yards. Longer 30 yards. So he's he's in, 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 those are big bath. numbers in all of, on, on the college level to be. He's so in the ice bath after the game, boy, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I gave him some love for getting it done. Man. And, again, he's just a sophomore. So, uh, Prairie View, people should be excited about him. They won the game 43-23, to really controlled the game very early, uh, which they hadn't done uh, much this year other than the games they kind of pulled away. They scored the first three touchdowns with a safety in between those after the first touchdown. Jerry Lovelock did his thing. He had three rushing touchdowns, so he didn't have a big game throwing the ball, throwing for 134 yards. Did have two interceptions. Uh, had one touchdown passing, but he put in three on the on the on the ground rushing the ball, so he got it done. Uh, big player, obviously for the Golden Lions, was Benjamin Anderson putting up 226 yards and one touchdown as he continues to do it. But they just struggle on the defensive side of all year long. Really, at the beginning of the year when they lost uh, about four or five players, 
to academic casualties. They never could recover from that. Remember, this is the Golden Lions that won a championship. Right, right, they right. Won, you know, in classic fashion last year. But that's what you're going on again. Uh, the featured matchup for the SWAC championship game, since we talk about championship, uh, will be Southern. They clinched last week. Uh, they will play Jackson State, winner of the Eastern Division. Southern still has a game remaining as they play Grambling this week in the Bayou Classic. Uh, Grambling uh, only has one win on the season, so people are going to see if Grambling can find a way to put a rabbit out of their hat. I don't think so, but it'll be interesting. Southern is actually playing really good football as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that'll be a classic matchup between Jackson State and Southern. And where's the game going to be played? Right here in Houston at Reliance Stadium on the December 7th. So for those that are interested, get your tickets. I'm sure they'd love to have you out there. It includes the Battle of the Band. Um, Ten Battle of the Band. That we right. Yeah. Not necessarily to support the SWAC, but we will provide information out there for them to, after we send our bill. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, have you uh, heard from from them as of approval for your for your championship game yet? As of yet? No, I have not. I put, did put in my media request and put in three of them as I have some students that go over there. I haven't had an update on the media request yet. I was a little interested, but sometimes they get late on things. So oh, I, trust I, me. I was, <laughs> I was hoping it was just about <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, and, I've never been rejected from them yet, but it, you know, it does all say, this, this, That's right. It, it, right at home. You know, it, okay, we're, we're not going to talk Texans. They lost today. We're going to follow 2-9. Nine game losing streak to the Jaguars, who were who were one and nine, but uh, Case Keenum struggled, so uh, he struggled now two weeks in a row on offense, directing the offense. Uh, all I'm going to say is I think it's safe to say that the Bob Nair is going to clean house. Coach staff yeah. is you know everybody's gone. This season has gone from preseason Super Bowl goal to now possibly first first, first pick in the draft right. goal. Yeah. Now, that's a that's precipitous fall. Yeah. Okay, now my question becomes not so much who you re- get to replace the coaching staff. What do you find? What do you what do you look for for a quarterback? Do you look for somebody that's active, or do you look for somebody that's back in the pocket? I think you do all of them. I think if you are the GM, the owner, I think you leave no stone unturned, as we would say proverbially. So I think you look at all those options and you see whichever fits your need. If you think you can find a way to make a trade to get a quarterback, you do it. Uh, if you can find a quarterback in the draft because you can't trade for one that's kind of ready-made, then you go that route. But I think you look at all your options uh, to see where you want to go in the future. Let's talk hoops. I'm just... Let me throw in one more on the football oh, for you because I go, really want to get, yeah, get detailed in the hoops so I don't want to bounce back and forth. But I know usually you give a volleyball or uh, Olympic sport update I have some updates. They're from the HBCU side because they played their championship this weekend. Alabama State just won the volleyball championship over Alabama A&M. Oh. Alabama A&M happened to beat Texas Southern uh, to push them out as they tried to make that into a double elimination. They had beat Alabama A&M earlier today uh, to, to force um, that elimination game for both. Alabama A&M got it done. And Prairie View lost out yesterday to Texas Southern that pushed them out three straight games, and, and so that's what's going on there. One noticeable thing, this is the second year in a row that Texas Southern Tigers have got freshman of the year honors as uh, Kali Fluke uh, from Texas Southern got it done on that side. And then quickly as we close out on football, was HBCU mid-major top five 
real quick, mid-majors because they were in the playoffs, top five programs. Uh, Miles Golden Bears, 6-4, close out the season at number four. Albany State Golden Rams, 6-4, close out the season. The Pioneer Bowl was canceled, so Albany State is not going to go in that. Uh, some hubbub about CIAA commissioner uh, because she has canceled the championship game last week. Obviously, some people could understand that because of what was going on. Uh, but the Pioneer Bowl kind of caught some people off guard, particularly the SIAC. So hopefully they'll bring that back because that's the only Division II bowl game out there between the HBCUs, actually any of them now, since uh, Swack and Miag no longer play there. Number three, Tuskegee Golden Tigers, 8-2. and two, Got in their first playoff game, played really well, tied the game most of the game, back and forth, but lost at the end on the field goal, losing North Alabama Lions, solid Division II program, 30-27. to 27. So I guess if you're in the playoffs, that's the first step to at least show that you're competitive, see if they can continue to make move forward. Uh, at least from an HBCU perspective. Number two, Virginia State Trojans. They stay there 9-1. and one. Their season's complete, obviously. And number one, Winston-Salem State Rams. Remember two years ago, semifinals. Last year, final game loss. This year, they're back in the playoffs. Continue to find a way to get it done. 10-1. and one. All 11 first-place votes. They defeated Slippery Rock Rockets 27-20. to 20. That was a home game. They will go on the road this week and face the Shepherd Rams, who are 10-0. and 0. So That's something to keep your eye on. On the major division top five, uh, South Carolina State Bulldogs, 9-3 on the season, 66 points. Students ranked 5. Defeated Norfolk State Spartan, 17-3. Told you that they were in the playoff. And number 4, Jackson State, 8-3. Uh, four first place vote. They did not play. Told you they'll be in the SWAC championship game. Number 3, Alcorn State Braves, 9-2. They did not play. Remember, they had that big win over Jackson State two weeks ago. Their season is now complete. Number 2, Tennessee State Tigers, 9-3. Two first place vote. Did not play. And found a way to get in the playoffs as they travel. We told you about that on the road their first weekend in the playoffs. Number one, Bethune-Cookman Wildcats, 10-2, 10 point uh, first place votes as they get it done, 108 points. Defeated Florida A&M, 29-10 in the polls there. They're in the playoffs. They travel on the road with the Coastal Carolina. And that really does it for the HBCU Report Top 10 programs. If you want the whole Top 10, it'll be out. CollegeSportingNews.com. You can get it on TSPNSports.com as well as onadon.com, www.onnidan.com. Now to do it. All right. Thank you, Doc. Uh, let's talk college basketball. First, we end up with the Rockets. Um, TSU men's uh, four-game losing streak. They lost. The last two losses were in the Legend Classic, the regional rounds. The first to Texas Tech, 80-71, uh, both on the road. And then recently lost 97-71 versus Stanford. Stanford plays Houston Cougars Monday evening, 8.30 Houston time. Game will be on ESPN2 in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, Coach Mike Davis told us uh, before the season started that he's not a very deep squad. Only goes about seven deep, and he's, that is true. That's what's going on. I see a lot of this. And uh, that's got to take its toll when you're going against really big physical teams. Foul trouble was a problem in the loss to Texas Tech. I think three guys fouled out in the in that game. Stanford once again only went to uh, two guys on the on the bench. My question to you, Doc, is 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 are some guys coming in the de- in the spring semester in, in December? Or are there transfers or, or what's the issue? One transfer they're looking to see if they can get eligible, but it's a question if they'll be able to get it done. But I think there's some players that he'll feel more comfortable coming off the bench in SWAC action that. Not that he doesn't think that he can play, but they seem to be more comfortable against that level of competition, and uh, their games do not raise when they raise the level of competition. 
uh, in terms of them being able to psychologically go through that. So I think uh, they'll be able to go a little deeper when they get in conference play. But I think your point is an excellent one when you look at the fact that in these non-conference games, that they're playing well early in those games, some of them coming out the leads, uh, but going down the stretch, whether it's foul problems or fatigue or a combination of two, you see those coming up and being an issue. So uh, we thought they'd probably be able to get a win or two in non-conference play. I'm sure they want to. Uh, but we'll interesting to see how does that continue to play out during this non-conference race and does it then find a way to affect them in conference play. Indeed, because I did probably expect them to win one of the games, either versus Miami or Texas Tech, probably with the two games I thought would be the best chance to pick up uh, marquee victories Correct. with that uh, you know, hopeful outside chance of getting a 15th seed tournament assuming they were fortunate enough to uh, win the SWAC championship. But things will get better. Let's get closer and closer to the SWAC play, and, and I do believe them and Southern still the cream of the crop in, in the SWAC. I don't think we all agree on that. Yeah, I think it was one to watch out for Jackson State. Yeah. Has had a couple of non-conference Division One wins, um, one against Air Force. And so when you look at that, I think that's kind of a note of reference to look at in terms of you getting the conference play, because uh, we thought they would be up there, but I'm not sure that far. We'll see if that plays out. Generally speaking, when you see teams in the SWAC win um, two, three, yeah, Division One non-conference, mm-hmm. it usually votes well for how they perform in the conference race. Agreed. Just to give you a little insight in that. The other one I want to point out that I thought was interesting uh, in terms of HBCU sports in the vernacular, and just general when people look at upsets, of what's going on is the win by North Carolina Central over NC over, State. Over North Carolina State of the ACC. Mm-hmm. NC State. On the road. On the road, getting it done. That was a big time win, shocking a lot of people. And they pretty much beat up on them pretty solidly in that game in terms of, you know, it wasn't the last second uh, buzzer beater if you, you know, you look at. So. I know NC Central attack was aggressive. Um, they went to the foul line. Last I saw was the foul line 39 times. For a road team to get that many free throw attempts, uh, and even take it a step further, HBCU team on the road to get that many attempts against the ACC squad says a lot about how aggressive they were attacking the basket and taking it to the to the hoop. So kudos for that victory, and clearly it's not a not a good loss for NC State, absolutely, or the ACC. No. Anytime you lose to a team. Back in football vernacular, outside of the BCS, mm-hmm. automatic bid winners, no matter if they've become it. Other than those uh, leagues, Big East now, it's all only a basketball and some of the West Coast in terms of Gonzaga teams of that Butler or something of that nature. Anytime outside of those teams, yes, yeah, that's a horrible loss. And they won that 82-72 in overtime. They backed that up with another win two days later against another North Carolina team, Appalachian State, mm-hmm. 76-70 in overtime. So they're 4-1 on the season with a long loss to Cincinnati. Um, of the American. <laughs> that's right. So, see, they can't beat they can't, they can beat the ACC team. They can't beat the team of the American. There you go. There you go. Represent the American. There we I go. I that. That was good. That was oh, good. man. I tell you what. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because the, the Cougars that I see now, hopefully they can hold on and keep that going. And I'm talking about on the men's side. I'm not talking about oh, the we'll get We'll get to them in a second, yeah. You know, on the men's <laughs> Yeah, trust me. It's yeah. a distinction when you go walk into Hall and look at oh, 
the Cougars are playing. Good basketball and, you, and not good you, basketball. Then you walk in there another time and say, oh, the Cougars, the Cougars are, are playing. playing. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and trust me, it's a distinction. It's a big difference. And UConn, being UConn, rolled over St. Bonnie, uh, rolling over St. Bonnie today, and they will uh, represent the American at the Final Four this year. Because KG, I don't see anybody just, just put the standing in their way. That's, you know, the train is off the, is on the track, and it's pulled away from the station. Yeah, I mean, they're winning. And the UConn women are winning with seven players. Seven All-Americans, but they're winning with seven players. I mean, but hear that, folks? Seven. Seven. Yeah. We're not talking about a you full know, board of you know, Contrast that to seven at TSU men. Yeah. Not all Americans. They're not all Americans, but UConn women, seven all Americans. And let's let's hold that thought. Don't 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 let me forget that. Yeah, don't worry. P V men lost at A and M seventy five sixty five last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um I'm wondering how good A and M is. You know, Texas A and M Texas A and M that is. I, I don't think they're they struggle to beat Rice. At home by two points. Right. Um, and I don't I'm not, think it was I'm a not coaching. Not I don't think it was a coaching deal. So, either. you know, the 10 point loss by PV to the Aggies. I'm just, uh, the Cougars play AM in no oh, few weeks. I think it's at College Station. That might be a better gauge of how good the Aggies are and heck, how good the Cougars are, really. I mean, the Cougars play Stanford Monday and then they'll play, if they beat Stanford, they'll play the winner of the Pittsburgh, Texas Tech game, Pittsburgh. Um, in a championship game of the Legends Classic. It'd be two good tests. Either one of these teams, Stanford or Tech, Texas Tech, Pittsburgh, either one of those two, combination of those three teams, two of those teams will be the best two teams Cougars have played so far in their 5-0 start. The 5-0, they're playing solid. They're not playing great. They, as Coach Dickey says, he still has his players so in love with scoring that they don't get as much enjoyment out of stopping people on defense to lead to scoring. They rather try to outscore them rather you know, rather than stop them. So give you some of these scores that you're referencing. They are, as you said, five and oh. Buffalo, eighty two fifty eight. Valley, a ninety one sixty seven victory. Bryce, sixty eight sixty five. Prairie View seventy five sixty five. And Sam Houston State seventy nine sixty two. And that's the Aggies, so you know. And That's so, usually when you look for those matchups, you'd like to see some 15, 20, 25-point victories if you're going to be that solid. Unless you play a different style of basketball where you're more on the defensive side back those tests, which is not what they do. So, that's your point as well, Texas. When do they, when do they play the Cougars? Uh, they play the Cougars on December 4th. Okay. December 4th, 7 o'clock uh, p.m. game, which will be interesting to see uh, in terms of that type of matchup. Where U of H is also undefeated on the season, five and zero early. So, and, good point. But if the Cougars, if Coach Dickey and the staff, that's right, are aggressive and utilize and maximize the depth that they have, and run them off and the trap, full court pressure, yeah. things like that, they should they should win that game. They should win that game against the Aggies. Make you know, the Wildcats and I know had this issue with with Dickey and and the staff when they played Rice and lost to Rice last year, as we predicted that they would do. Be Rice's <laughs> yeah, only win in conference. Trust me, folks thought at we Rice. were crazy when we mentioned it at first, when that they was going to split. Rice had, Rice had how they go. Yeah. seven players. <laughs> Basically, I mean, whatever. It could have been six, whatever. <laughs> but not not enough depth to deal with the, what the Cougars had last year and let they allowed Rice to control tempo, dictate tempo, throw the pace down, and lost the game. You know, that can't happen. 
So, but I, they play. Uva Rice men play in the uh, in a doubleheader at Toyota Center on December twenty first. Yeah, Saturday um, after A and M Oklahoma is the first game, I think, or right. reverse, whatever. And um, so, be two good games to get tickets there. Tickets are available at the box office at Toyota Center. I'll be there. I already requested my credential. But it's clearly, it's a game of, you raise rice play at 3.30, so I think the Aggies will come at 6. I think that's how it's laid out there. But it's clearly a game that U of H should win. U of H, other than Pittsburgh, Stanford, possibly A&M, their non-conference schedule is just underwhelming. I mean, A&M Corpus Christi at Hawkeye, San Jose State at Hawkeye, Alcorn State at Hawkeye, go on the road against Louisiana Lafayette, who is not as good as they used to be. Right. Those are not marquee matchups to get the fair-weather, fickle Cougar fans Out. interested to they come just, see them they play. Just not gonna come. Despite the fact, and our good friend Jim Hicks brought this to my attention, because Wednesday of this week, they got another verbal commitment from a top 10 local high school product, young man mm. from Yates, J.C. Right. Washington. He will be their fourth top 10 H-Town player to go to the Cougars. Impressive. Go back uh, on this staff. Yes, on this staff. That's impressive. Includes Eddie Richardson. Go back another year. That makes five, and I think one more person. They have six on this staff. That's impressive. And yet, because that's one thing the alums say: well, you get local talent, you get top local talent, we'll come out and support you. They don't come support. They don't support these kids. It's twofold. I don't believe the school does a good job promoting that fact. Correct. Um. I don't think the coaching staff does a good job missing that fact in their interviews. Plus, they don't do a good job playing an exciting style of ball that the fans want to see. Correct. They don't play. A, they don't bring in marquee teams that the fans, fans want to see. see. So it's all all combined into these yeah. average. Everybody has equal yes fault in what you see in these 2,000, 2,500 people season uh, announced attendance in their home games. Ain't that many people there? Um, the student section. Is has a few sporadic. It's you know sporadic, but when a student who's not really into basketball, you tell them you have a chance to see your school. Who they're not? These are not basketball fans. Okay, we're playing Lehigh tonight. Who? We're playing Howard. Who? Who? And then you. Speaking of the Howard game, walk in. I see this. No, it's some people in the stands. Then I witness a score. Somebody, you know, gets a bucket, and I see this group and all getting up. And Howard fans, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they, they support. Like, they came to support the their support their team. I mean, props to them for that. And, and you know what? It's that I mentioned it to to KG earlier. You know, people are gonna be shocked. There's a lot of folks. You know, a lot of engineers and and uh, uh, medical uh, pharmacists. And all the graduates from Howard that's here in town that's got businesses and they got a large alumni that uh, platform here. They really do. And the the Cougars were down to Howard nineteen nine in that game. In the second, and that, second in the early part of the first half. I guess they waited until I got there to kind of like just play <laughs> play basketball. So but slow, slow I was start. kind of shocked when, yeah, that, when slow he told start. me. <laughs> uh, I bet you were. <laughs> but that bothered me. You, you should go to my go to my website. Listen to. Uh, the post-game interviews from Coach Dickey and the Daniel House and Tayshawn Thomas to talk about the reason for the slow start and, and the, what happened. And Tayshawn just said, basically, you know, 
We came out flat. They punched in the mouth, and we just so then took it. So they got to do a better job on starting, get off the better starts. I don't want to forget about the Huskies. The men, men lost, uh, went 0 for 3 today, capped it off today. Uh, they were in the CBE Hall of Fame Classic. They lost today to South Alabama. To uh, They're struggling right now. Yeah. They're struggling on both ends of the floor. They're not 1 in 5. They lost 4 in a row. And the only win is over Crowley's Ridge. Well, I'm expecting. I'm not sure where that school is located, Crowley's Ridge. I'm expecting to go by there this week and talk to. Uh, 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 get a uh, football season wrap up with uh, Coach Sheely and get a chance to talk to both um, Coach Finney and, and, Coach uh, and Coach Cottrell to find out what's going on and uh, as they move into Southland this year, uh, basketball wise, it, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I'll just ask the questions of, of what's going on and you know how things are going and why are they why are they looking forward you know moving forward with um, and it's it's, it's ironic. Friday they lost to Wright State. 75-59. Saturday, they lost to Southern Miss, 67-62. But today, they lost to South Alabama by 20, 79-59. So, um, I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to, to gauge on, on on that. Right. And, and, and But the other thing now, and most college programs are not accustomed to playing games back-to-back. Oh, yeah, three back-to-back. in a row is tough. Yeah, you know, you know, when you when right. you when you schedule a play. That's right. You know, high school teams, and all, we all see them, you know, they, they deal with it, but they deal with it differently depending on the, on the, on yeah. the program and stuff. Plus, they're playing shorter periods of time. Right. But when you got 20 minutes, half, and you got to – your team has got to be ready to go, you know, from the, from, the, from the jump. You're on the road. You're living out of a suitcase. You've been on the road probably for for a week, and now you're playing three games back to back. It's it, it can get tired. It can get it, it can wear on you mentally more than physically. Yeah, the only thing that you can see positive of that is if you're doing your preparing in a way mentally for your postseason grind as you get into your postseason yeah. training. Because oftentimes those are multiple uh, games in a row to win the conference championship. But you look forward to those because if you know that, that you know. Yeah, that, you're going to get hyped what, up and ready that's, for that's it. And you play the season and you kind of get ready. But I'm only saying sometimes you'll see some coaches playing some of these tournaments, but usually it's two games maybe at most back-to-back, not three. But it's almost a way to kind of gear them up to prepare at the end of the season. You see some people do that. But. And Wildcat, uh, let me know when you go by Rice, talk to Coach Braun. Uh, they lost to Princeton. The men, Rice Isles, lost to Princeton Saturday, 70 to 56 after Smart beating. Smart kids playing smarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after, after beating. Uh, former Isles head coach Willis Wilson squad and Corpus Christi by two points, 63 to 61. So the men are two and three on Rice. So not a lot of winning going on on, on, on college basketball other than yeah. the U of H men. That's for sure. But you talked about the December 4th game, U of H and M. Interesting enough, you have two city schools playing. You have Rice traveling over to play Houston Baptist on the December 4th as well. Yeah. And that, that's going to be interesting because that, both teams struggle to score points, so I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to play out there. And I, I, I think I'll be able to stop by that. I don't know if the Rockets play on the fourth or not, because the Rockets take priority over everybody else. It's Rockets, U of H, because my school, and then everybody else. <clears throat> that's fair. You got you got a business that you're doing, and you starting with the top in terms of professional level, and there's a professional level of being able to report on that at that level. So you have to kind of have that. Rapport and everything else fits in those schedules, and almost as if you're giving 
additional work to allow them to be in there. So I celebrate that. That same thing I have when I talk about HBCUs. Let's shift to um, women real quick. I forgot to mention this. Of course, I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. Got men's and women's hoops blog. Links on the website of the HoustonRoundballReview.com. On Twitter, at T-H-E-H-R Review. Houston Round Bar Review is my Instagram account and my Insta- and my YouTube channel as well. We're on our Facebook, Houston Round Bar Review page as well. So, I'm out there. Check me out. Email me. Ask questions. Tweet me. Tell me you like my voice. Whatever. I don't know. You know, I'm kind of missing that. I guess ladies are tired of my voice now. I don't know. I'm kind of hurt by that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's as just I, the holiday as, season as, as, as they I busy but anyway busy. women's hoops real quick HBU women uh, lost to Jackson State by 24 points on the road in uh, Jackson it's kind of the blowout the margin I'm not surprised they lost the margin of the, 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 the it, loss yeah, is what surprised right. me they lost that's, the that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm going by to, to see what, what transpired with them Rice women Lost uh, to Michigan State, 21st ranked Michigan State, 81-68 Saturday. This is uh, two days after beating Southern at home, 77-64 in a game which in which superstar, all everything, Jessica Custer had. What was it? 26 points. Yep. 21 rebounds. rebounds right. 21 rebounds. Five oh, yeah. assists. Four blocks, five assists, something like that. She, she, she played that 40 minutes, and this is where KG just. Kind of like he didn't so much lose it, but he had a question as to whether uh, of, the, of the style of play. He played forty minutes, did all of that, and no, no fouls. <laughs> Come on, Doc, no fouls. Played forty minutes, did all that stuff. Got no fouls. She wasn't guarding the soul. Nah, nah, nah. She wasn't guarding Come the soul. On, you, somebody can play smart now. Somebody she can play smart, smart now. my butt. She wasn't guarding the soul. <laughs> to pick up one foul, he get one foul by breathing hard on somebody. Especially, especially now the point of emphasis on the women's side in college basketball, where they're supposed to be calling more fouls. She just probably touch fouls whistle, whistle now. Playing that hands up defense. Come on, you know, she, come on. She, she was playing with her feet. You know, you playing defense with her feet like uh, you're supposed to. Yeah, let me take the box score from Saturday night. If she got no fouls against Michigan State, I know something's wrong. Well, you know, it's, that that really tells me she's playing smart now. Yeah, it tells me she wasn't guarding anybody then either. <laughs> that's what tells me. She I had three re- fouls against just against Michigan State. That's probably, because of, Michigan, that's probably because of Michigan State. Another double double, nineteen points, thirteen rebounds, two assists. You know what? Steals, I, and I'm, to be honest with you, she's I'm the real deal, happened. folks. Three deals. She's the real I'm, deal. I'm really glad that's happening, but against those type of style, uh, mm-hmm. those those teams, because there there has been a question, you know, to her mental cap- uh, uh, capacity to take it to those uh, to those squads. And still get that done on night in and night out. It'll be interesting what conference play starts. The Owls shot fifty percent. Oh my goodness! Big Ten teams, twenty-eight to fifty-six. The Owls don't shoot fifty percent against themselves in practice. I'm trying to remember the last time. So they, I, that's that's impressive. This group shot fifty percent, and that's one thing Coach Greg Williams says in post game. We don't shoot the ball very well. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I think the BTA shoots shooting 39%. He said, well, that's one of our better shooting games of the year. So I showed you how, 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 how they shoot. And, and this is the kicker, folks. Women's basketball on the elite level averages less than 40%. I'm on the elite level because I know y'all go to the Final Fours and really cover uh, women's basketball, unlike many other people, as you cover both very fairly. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about um, – the legend, we talked about UConn and their recruits. Mm-hmm. 
obviously landing the top Canada, Canada recruit, mm-hmm. uh, Nurse. Um, Kayla Nurse. Not yeah. too long ago. But what about uh, Pat Summit, the plaza, and the honoring of a legend with a statue? The statue, statue was massive. That thing was huge, like thought, eight feet tall. Right. They had problems unveiling it, and they had... That's because they wasn't. Come over there they weren't accustomed. Yeah, they wasn't. They wasn't accustomed to. <laughs> they wasn't accustomed to. The thing I thought that was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. You, it was. What are your thoughts on that? I have so much respect for Coach Summit. It. it uh, to I, me, on a, on a personal level, she's up there with uh, Coach Wooden mm-hmm. and the Coach Summit. I have the utmost respect for those two wow. people as individuals, wow. and then as coaches. The one conversation that I remember. Very clearly was when uh, the group that came together that won the last couple of, uh, uh, the last championship uh, with uh, Candace Parker. Candace Parker. That group came in, and she said it was the first time coaching. Candace Parker the one to help do that. Right. <laughs> uh, but that that group, Anasika and all that group, wow. basically came in police police themselves. Yeah. She didn't have to, you know, because she was accustomed to checking up on them, you know, personally, you know, calling everybody's cell phone, you know, late at night. Where are you? Well, that's are because you? of one very good reason. When Tennessee went to play at DePaul, Candace is from the Illinois area, from that area. Mm-hmm. The night before the game, she went out, hung out with her family, friends and family. She missed curfew. Coach Summit sat her down that game for the first half because she missed curfew. She, hey, I'm, this is your homecoming. That's fine, but you missed curfew. I, I'm not going to treat you like any, different than anybody else. So that set the tone right there to the team. Said, well, if coach treats her like that, the superstar, the best player in the country like that, then we just have to act accordingly and follow the rules. And then she, they never looked back. They never looked back. It was, And they looked up on the what was the, the words out of their mouth when they looked up and saw the, uh, no banners on the on the in the ceiling hanging anytime mm. recent? The drought is over. It's over. It's been too long, so we put one of those up there. That's going to change. And wow. Candace got those two banners. Mission accomplished. They, they struggled the first two years because of injuries and all. To the, to that incoming group, but once they got to, got on the floor together, that was it. UConn was dead in the water, as they say. Amazing. I knew I knew you would want to speak on that from a national perspective. I'm, I wanted to ask and, a question. Now let's let's talk locally about the garbage. You want to uh, go there, really? Real quickly about the U of H women basketball. Sure, got to give equal love to everybody else. They're one and four now after losing on the road Saturday to uh, Creighton, which you know Creighton's a, Creighton's a good team. Final score was sixty-five fifty-five. Cougars shot thirty-eight percent, which for them is is very good. Um. They're just not a very good team. They got the first win early in the week. They beat the bad North Texas team at Hall Fines. That game was brutal to watch. Two teams that Cougars missed 18 free throws in that game. It was one by 10. It missed 18 free throws. They finally got Tiana Campbell back, who had, was who sat out the first three games. Her presence on the on the team makes a huge difference. But they're just not a very good basketball team overall. The upperclassmen, senior group. Is bad. The coaching staff is responsible for bringing them in. Um, the sophomores and freshmen are better. Need to play more, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Cougars have uh, the uh, this coming weekend the David Jones Memorial Classic. Teams involved are Saint uh, Stephen F. Austin, Prairie View, 
and Kent State. Hmm. Cougars play Kent State on Saturday, and they'll, they'll play PV on Sunday at 3.30 in Hawkeye. So if you want to see some basketball, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be good basketball. <laughs> we'll see some, see some competitive basketball. It would be, be, be competitive. Yeah. All they have to do. That's the PV game. PV struggling to score and shoot the ball well as well. So Correct. Come out and see that. I'll be there. I think uh, I won't be doing any football, things like that. We'll have work, work, work on the uh, podcast schedule for the next one because I'll be – we can probably do it before next you know, PV game Sunday. Sounds good. But uh, <clears throat> Oh, and by the way, uh, you talking about bad basketball. One of the sub, um, the NAIA squad here in town at St. University of St. Thomas, women's uh, squad this year, they are five and two. Uh, they are. Well, that's a good basketball. They're winning, as true. opposed to yeah. Oh yeah. And they hosting teams, you know that uh, that they've played in uh, in postseason play in NAIA basketball. And okay. folks around here, you, you know, to still. The only banner that hangs in the in the ceiling here on campus at Texas Southern is uh NAIA nineteen seventy seven. Championship. Championship. National. National. That's right. They go to the tournament. Everybody goes and plays and you know, every team for themselves. You know, you and you and you once you start, it's a week and you plan every day. Yeah, that's a little different than what people are familiar with now in terms of the NCA tournament over basically a month. Uh playing twice in a weekend if you're fortunate at the most and three times with this new opening round that they want to call the first round whatever. Right. Uh, but from that it's standpoint but the NIA you're talking about four or five games oh yeah in four or five days and folks now you're talking about some real basketball every day you better stay in your seat or find a way to wear a diaper because I'm going to tell you I've gone a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to miss nothing and at that point, you know, wow. guys, a lot of guys out of, out of NAI at that point was still going to the league. Right. On a regular basis. Talent. You know, it, it was about talent. You know, and it, and it had, still hadn't changed that much. You know, this, uh, so, uh, another venue, uh, right there in, off of, uh, Montrose and West Alabama mm-hmm. at, uh, Jerubic Gym. Uh, uh, it's the, uh, St. the University of St. Thomas Celts. Uh, women's basketball, NAI. Matter of fact, uh, Jarvis Christian. I've no, that is uh team out of what is it, Marshall? Yeah, uh, yeah, Jarvis Christian out of Marshall HBCU uh, out of that area. They out of the Red River Athletic Conference, and there. And I will be getting over to see a couple of those games. Well, I have that, HBCU. The reason I mentioned this uh, that particular game and the uh following night, Texas College, uh, December sixth at five thirty, it'll be a double hitter. And December seventh, they're double hitter also. Uh, they are at home. Uh, it'll be some local talent on both those squads. Is the reason I'm going. And uh, right, it, it, it come that's out a, and watch. That's a good move for St. Thomas. You oh, know, they joined the conference the last year, the Red, Red River. River Athletic Conference, which uh, the Red River Athletic Conference loved that because remember they had lost Houston Baptist. Right. So this keeps them in that Houston footprint for that conference, along with uh, teams from Fort Worth. General Dallas area, HBCUs out of Austin with Houston Tillerson, as you mentioned, Jarvis Christian out of East um, Texas area, along with Wiley College, Texas right. College, and then Paul Quinn as well outside of Dallas. I mean, in Dallas as well. Yeah, yeah, South Dallas. You know, it's women's basketball is what it is. But my oh, speaking of, have you what's the latest on the uh, 
uh, on the Longhorns. Glad you brought that. That's that's where I was going, sir. That's where I was missing. Now, didn't they have a special game this week? They played this Stanford on Saturday in Austin, which I completely forgot about. I thought I would have been. And you know the reason it. why you probably forgot about it because the local teams. I did check when you texted me about that. No, they have. They did not bring anybody in town. And thank you, thank you, Wildcat, for this is gonna be a great way to end the podcast on a hot note. Literally, I might get pissed off from this comment I'm about to make right now. So excuse my French. <clears throat> They were scared of something. Stanford was in town, was in, was in Austin. They come to Austin every other year to play the Longhorns. There you go. Coach Vanderbilt has a relationship with the Longhorns going back. Tennessee, for, same Tennessee, way. You know, for years. They always come here to Stanford. Play, uh, Tennessee comes to Austin as well. They're going, Longhorns play at Tennessee this year, so they rotate. Stanford comes here in one year, Tennessee comes here another year. Stanford has Snail Ogumake, Neko Ogumake, Amber Orange, all from this area. You talking about all from this area? Side fair, all from this area. We talking about, uh, and I'll say this because I, I actually did this this past weekend. Bus riding, not to not to park and ride, the regular local bus to each one of their venues, folks. That's kind of hard when you when those things are scheduled out and those those schools out in the suburbs, but it's a local ride. I find that out. The hard way, but I'm going to tell you. Now, typically, mm-hmm. you try to play in the hometown of your seniors. Right. At least once in their tenure at in your program. Absolutely. Hopefully. No, that's <clears throat> almost written in that's, stone. Uh, Recruiting-wise. Uh, exactly. You Thank you, now. sir. And we, the Ogumake sisters, Janae, this is their senior year. Neck is done playing WNBA, playing pro ball overseas. Right. Either one of them played U of H oh. or right. Rice. I'm not going to get into TSU or PV because yeah, they're responsible as well. And, and, and but at H-P-G. some point, somebody in H-Town should have had the cojones or whatever. I'm not going to say all that. I'm going to get on all that. But someone should have made a phone call and said, Coach Vanderveer, we would like to play y'all here in town to give Janae, Neca, Amber a chance to play in front of their friends and family here in town. What do you say? You just said earlier that call was not made. Is that correct? That's right. That is ridiculous. The marketing side, I would cry. Now, with that being said, since I was in the room when that happened, Mecca Okafor, the year before, they lost in the uh, regionals, I think, in San Antonio. That a baseball game. Uh, and... It was mentioned that uh, he hadn't been home to play yet. And nobody had made a phone call to schedule. Well, somebody that day, that Sunday, made a phone call. And that Tuesday, it was in the morning note that UConn was coming to town the next season. Not two years down the road, but the next season, they was coming in to bring Mecca home to play at Rice. Folks. It can, as, it can happen. You, as a coach or a program, and I'm going to say this flat out. Make the call. Cannot be afraid of losing a game or getting your butt beat here in front of your home folks because you don't want to make a phone call to bring a high-quality a, a high team into town. Which would help you recruit one thing. Recruit. Marketing. It would help you it would marketing. Show, it would show your program out there for everybody to see. Exactly. And get more folks to come see you. 
you guaranteed somebody to see. And at that t- point, I don't know if and it fun. gives you something to aspire to be in terms of where you want to oh, be if you're not there. All, all all positives. Trust me. Except for you, you gonna lose the game most likely. Hey, Duke but came hey, in to play but HBU hey, when they were rolling. Am I wrong? And beat the snot out of HBU. That was in Sharp Gym. But that was in Sharp Gym. That little box area, Duke women came in Sharp Gym and played. Wow. Because that, they, it, they were going I've been to in play. There. They were That's going to play. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they were awesome. playing the Aggies two I days give, later. I give Houston Baptist a lot of credit for getting that done. And this one thing I'll give him credit for. He must have forgot. Yeah. Todd Buchanan was his coach at that time. Yep. And made the phone call. Over HBU. They were at a and they were coaching and, conference. And he, he won't do it now. And do it now. So I don't know what happened there. So. And, the, and the inter- ironic that they were at a coaching clinic and Duke was looking for a game in between a week of games. So it kind of worked out. Like a Friday, Sunday. Sunday they play Sunday yeah. in a So it wasn't maybe something that he cognizant did. Well, yes, but, but now, the fact that he recognized that and says, hey, we'll put him on the schedule. Why not? Folks will come out and see what we got. But now, don't have. Which now we're gonna wrap it up with this. Earlier a few days ago, the Chronicle reported, our colleague Joseph Duarte reported that the city oh, of Houston, here we go. Uh, Harris County One Sports paragraph. Authority is preparing bids for the on the men's side, the 2020 Final Four. Four paragraphs. And on the women's side, to host women's Final Four either in 2018, 19, or 20. But now. For those who are new to these podcasts, roughly 10 years ago, the Wildcat and me, or was it, was I, Wildcat and I, I'm not sure how long ago it was, 8 to 10 years ago, when, uh, cause, uh, were a part of, I'm going to educate some folks, were a part of an, an initial bidding with the Sports Authority to get the, a women's regional and ultimately the women's final four to Houston. We submitted the paperwork. All these things. Actually, this was hell. This was before was, Baylor won the first championship. It was right, two thousand five. This was around about three or two thousand four. Yeah, because it was before. Actually, it was, was right. still in high school when first, we did it the, the first, first time. time. Was I met the uh, Waco Riders uh, in at the Final Four? So it was before then. Wow. Initially, at, at this point, you know, the NCAA asked you who, what schools are going to be the host sites, host schools for the event. I'm a cougar. Obviously, I want you race to be the whole school. Yeah, make it work. Who you want to partner with? Thought about Rice. Rice said, no, nah, not really. Too much work. Okay. How about Baylor? Now, this is before Baylor won the championship. Didn't make a phone call. You race people refused to partner with Baylor because they were afraid of Baylor would have a rec- recruiting advantage here in town. <laughs> Now, despite the fact they already had one because they were Baylor. Now, but this was the kicker now. This was the kicker. When we got it, when we finally and got it. therefore, the bid fell apart because of lack of attendance. And, and the worst part about it was we actually, at, at postseason that year, got a, talk, a person that had approached us from two other schools, two of the two biggest schools here in town, in, in the state, about, hey, just tell them to call. We'll help them out. Because they wanted the Final Four in, in Houston. Texas. In Texas, in Houston specifically. And got to the Final Four, told us point blank. They met us with the hands hands out, hands shaking, said, folks didn't make a phone call. That's why it didn't happen. They just told us flat out that they didn't call us. They didn't call us. 
So a few years later, another group of folks tried to put together a bid to host it at Toyota Center. You have more information on this one. Oh, yeah. So go ahead. They got it. They put it together. They listened. They approached. They went and made that spiel. They got to a, a part of, of the meeting in front of the committee. And this is where I kind of like lost it. Because if they needed information, all they had to do was just ask. But they went on their own, as typical. Didn't ask for no help. Got there. Instead of one or two people speaking, everybody spoke that specialty, which I thought that that was not good. Because when you when you do that, somebody's gonna be arrogant, and somebody's not gonna be able to answer a specific question. Maybe maybe able to answer broad, but they weren't able to answer specific. And the question went out: How are you gonna move all these folks around? At that point, we had just we only had the short turn, uh, the short rail, still didn't have any way of getting folks to and from the airport. On either end of town, in a timely fashion, didn't have a downtown hotel that we have now down there. Uh, also, in the process, you would have had to had all these venues out and about, and you still couldn't answer how you're going to get those folks to and from. And we, uh, three of us, all know when women are tired of walking, you better find a way to get them to get a ride, because they're tired of walking, they're going to sit. And buddy. If I tell you they couldn't answer that question, that person couldn't answer that question. And that killed them. And then got mad at me when it moved down to San Antonio. And when I basically said, okay, why is it? No, I, I, I take that back. I asked, I said, who spoke about transportation? How you going to move folks around? And neither one of the people that I asked couldn't think of who that person was. I said, that's who killed you. I said, that was the first thing out of everybody's mouth. I said, I didn't have to ask. I was told that, that you all couldn't figure out how you're going to move all these people around to these different venues. Hopefully, this group, particular group, I don't know anybody in that group. I don't have no other than they come into, they come to, they're trying to come to town. They come trying to come to the Toyota Center. I hope they learn something. Two, they approach it differently. And three, when, they, when the question gets asked specifically how you're going to move folks around, they can answer it this time. Because here we are, what, five years down the road, and you still don't have a way of getting people to and from the airport, either to an uh, to the event, to the hotel, or to the facility. And you need that. And as my partner can tell you, when we go to town, uh, go to these different uh, events, the one thing that we all complain about as a whole. How do we get from point A to point B? And if we can't get there, trust me, a lot of people will tell you quick. That's my last time coming. And to piggyback that as we conclude, I contacted someone higher up, won't say providing more details, but someone who's in the know. What pitfalls should the city of Houston watch out for, or the organized committee watch out for, in terms of the bid? My answer. We're looking for host bid cities that can provide the best combination of facility, hotels, 
and overall event footprint. That's a quote. So it's not like the Wildcat and myself are just some kind of come lately's. We've been around this a few years. We have made some contacts with certain people. So I would, both of us would love for a Women's Final Four to come here before we die. Literally, before we die. And, I'm, and, and three of us, we all know where my situation is right now. So if it happens, I'll be ecstatic. Trust me. I want people to know on the committee. I'll break down and cry in front of if, folks. If you publicly. have questions. Contact the Wildcat or me. We do know a few things that maybe be able to steer, steer in the right direction. Once again, sir, how can folks get in touch with you? On the social media platform, blogger, Twitter, YouTube. You can find me at AKSVDCSR. The uh, I just put my sent my put my column to bed for the uh, printed version of a kingsideview.com it will be out this week uh for the uh, right after thanksgiving hopefully uh it'll be ready the online edition will be ready by wednesday uh and I'm, my topic will be what hath november rock what did it bring this year why we had two <laughs> programs one in upstart, one that has been around. Were they ships passing in the night, or are they headed in the same direction? Mm, interesting. Interesting. And, and I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Finally have something good to report on the Dallas Cowboys as I end this. They won over the Giants 24-21. to 21. That ain't good news, man. You said <laughs> no in podcast updates. Well, so no, that's, it's, it's, it's a final, final score. That's, that's fine. That's not, a, that's not that, good news. Well, i tell you what. That ain't I no tell you what. News, I'm going to wake, wake y'all up I'm, I'm before I'm we close. That ain't good I'm gonna news. Say this. for yourself, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this right now. All three of us sitting at this table are fantasy football people, and I am ecstatic right now. That ain't, that ain't no good news. All I y'all, all y'all get All right, Doc, exactly. seriously. Yeah, seriously, as we close up, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and total the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And you can find me on College Sporting News for updates to HBCU's top 10 uh, football polls as we end the, the season, obviously into the playoffs. So I'll keep you updated to see how these teams go throughout the playoffs. Also, the SWAC championship game as that starts to come to conclusion. You can find me on Onadon as well as TSPNSports.com. And I'd like to give one shout-out to my nephew, uh, Kobe Cavill, that plays um, wide receiver as well as safety for the Cedar Hill Junior um, team that is down here playing in a regional uh, football Little League tournament outside of Houston and Barnett Stadium, and they have made it all the way to the championship game. So I'm going to be rushing out of here. To so get make to sure you listen to the podcast, man. Today? Right. They're playing at Barnett today? Yeah, they, they started at 6 for a championship game, and if they win that, they go to Florida to play in the Nationals. Oh, okay. So, you, all right. So okay. Regional here. So ah, they got yeah. it done, so... 
be interesting to see how that goes. Play other teams throughout Texas to get that done. I was amazed that you had little people doing that. Oh yeah, but uh, I would be with the regret if I didn't give a shout out to oh, him. Oh yeah, I, I understand. Obviously, his dad, Cheo Cavill. So I'll make sure they listen to the podcast. Uh, definitely. Okay. So that means we got new listeners hopping on board. So that's great. My, so my, uh, I, I will tell you this much, Doc. That's a enjoyable trip. Uh, my brother, uh, brother squad uh, made that trip twice. Wow. A couple of uh, here uh, in the last ten years. I was, uh, since the baby boy now is, is up and out, right? But it, but when uh, he was at that age and all, they made that trip. Take it, man. And I'm gonna tell you, to see those kids when they get on that bus and all from here to head down to Florida to Disneyland and wow. Epcot Center to, to play, that's that's a good week for them. That's wow. a good week. Thank you for sharing. Uh, oh, no problem, Cap. I, 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 I wish y'all the luck. And if they make that trip, Doc. Find a way. That's all I'm saying. Appreciate it. I am KG. Fellas, I want to thank you, as always, for sharing your insight and knowledge with me and the listeners. Um, KG is the Houston Round Ball Review website, www.houstonroundballreview.com. Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram and YouTube. Twitter is T-H-E-H-R Review. Sponsors, we know you're out there. We know you're listening. Hit us up. Help us, help us help you grow. So again, in touch with us regarding sponsorship of the podcast. We're going to keep our ears uh, to the street, keep working, grinding. Oh, by the way, fellas, happy Thanksgiving. That'll be coming up before uh, the next podcast. Oh, yeah. you enjoy the yeah. holidays. Oh, yeah. Eat yeah. plenty. Uh, spend time with uh, loved ones. Enjoy yourselves. With happy Thanksgiving. I'm a food person. Trust me. Are you a foodie, sir? You a foodie? I'm, a, I'm a food person. Yeah. All right. So Thursday's going to be a... Enjoy. I'm going to spend time with Roots and the Corleones. So, uh, and some family and friends as well. But wrap it up, as I always do, in this fairly lengthy but fruitful podcast. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.